Welcome to the Modern Goat Rider Podcast. The opinions expressed by our hosts and guests are strictly their own and do not represent the positions of any lodge, grand lodge, or other branches of the independent order of Odd Fellows. Our conversations will be open to the public for the purposes of inspiring our global membership and promoting the order. And now, let's continue the journey. Welcome to the Modern Goat Rider Podcast. I'm Billy Sanderson. And I'm Tara Zajak. Hi, Tara. Hi, Billy. Nice to see you. Good to see you. Uh, those people who download in bundles of podcast episodes, they don't know that we haven't talked to each other in a month. It's been a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Life is busy, man. Yeah. Not, and... with, not without thinking about you. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But uh, we've uh, we've had some odd fellowy things happening in Victoria. You know, it's been it's been great. I think the last big notable one was the Oddfellows picnic, which uh, has gone on for a number of years now. Spearheaded by the illustrious Stuart Brown. Yay, Stuart. Yay, Stuart. If he was here, he'd he'd blush and say, "No, it was a team." Yeah. And and there was <laughs> there was certainly a team, absolutely. But uh, you know, Stu has a long history of um, you know professional serving, and um, he's a sommelier, and events just flow out of his mind, easy peasy. So. As much as things might seem chaotic, he is cool under pressure, and he is exactly the leader you want in this type of situation. <laughs> I was helping out that day, and I hurt my back at the gym the day before, so I was trying to carry a bunch of things from my car to the site, taking mini steps and walking at a snail's pace, and then, you know, I get there with my one, the lightest of the bundles, and being oddfellows as we are, sure enough, I had... Pierre and uh, possible possible member Russell um, jumping in to help me to carry the rest of the stuff and and it was great so there was, the bundle of sticks, bundle of sticks. was well in effect there even, we go even before the uh, barbecue started it was great yeah I had fun at the barbecue uh, <laughs> we were in a park and it felt uh, it didn't get really huggy but it felt like it could have been really huggy yeah. any minute yeah um, so that was probably just because we were serving lemonade and iced tea. Um, as opposed to some kind of event where there was uh, libations that make you hug. Well, yes, yes, there's a link and a nudge to that. And I think for a number of us, it was the first time we'd seen each other in a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, like you and I have been kind of busy, so I I forget that for some folks it's, it was more of a rare occurrence. And then for me also, because I have a, a separate... Um, uh, committee that I'm on the board of the union, which is for the the building uh, management, is that a couple of the members of the board who I'd only seen over Zoom, mm-hmm. I met in real life. Oh, and uh, for the first time, so um, brother Ian and a couple other ones, and you know, we kind of said hi and we're chatting, and then it's it's kind of like the light bulb I think clicked for both of us at the same time. Like, oh, this is this is actually your face, not your face over <laughs> a screen. Yeah. And this is actually really neat because again, we've, you know, spent hours over the past few months chatting about, you know, fairly uh, heavy things. Mm-hmm. And it was, so not only was it nice to see each other in this uh, iced tea lemonade environment and the sunshine and everything else and dogs and kids and whimsy, but also just 
seeing the person yeah it was really lovely so yeah as success in all accounts i would say yeah and when those things happen to you people you know they they see you for the first time and they they react and i had this happen long ago but someone said man you sound a lot taller on the phone (laughs) oh billy (laughs) which is weird because you're like six nine i know is that crazy (laughs) to my face well uh, other <laughs> events, we have uh, something that happened was very secretive. It oh. was so sly. Classic. Classic. Mike and Shaughnessy. So Mike McLean, our noble grand of uh, Columbia, number two, bestowed and- his uh, vows of honor and uh, commitment to... Shaughnessy Pollen, uh, financial secretary and um, illustrious member of Bastion Four. So see what happens when you uh, have a, uh, I guess, a open lodge. All you grumpy old men uh, out there in your little <laughs> lodge. F-L-T. F-L-T. Uh, yeah, so it can be a dating service. <laughs> Odd fellows dating. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. No, it, and it was it was super cute. I was just thinking, what swipe right? No. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the and the funny thing is, I mean, they're they're. It was it was it was spontaneous and it was classic them and there was a a hot minute where I don't know if you know that's Billy, but their plan was to you know get get married legally do the deed and all that and then celebrate their combined birthdays at the lodge when it opened ah. to be like this is a birthday party and then have uh, you know a bunch of us there. And then when everyone's there, be like, haha, surprise. It's our like impromptu wedding reception because oh, yeah. they, they didn't want a big to do as, as yeah. part of it. Right. Like everyone has a lot going on in COVID and all that. So their their thought was to just sneak it in there and have yeah. everyone there and not have to, you know, deal gifts and the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. But um, what, once their families got wind, um, it was quickly spiraling out of control. Yeah. I think for enthusiasm. So they did a backyard thing and had their families into the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, so, very nice. So we didn't get the surprise reveal at the lodge, which is unfortunate because also for a hot minute, I <laughs> convinced Shaughnessy to let me uh, officiate the wedding. So I, Oh, did you? Yeah. And I, I've emceed eight weddings in my life and I've yet to officiate one. So that was really going to check one off my list. So I'm going to have to talk selfishly, to you because I got asked that. to officiate a wedding next summer. Oh, yeah. Now let's combine notes. Yeah, we should. Okay, yeah. and the last thing that is uh, we wanted to mention that's going on this week, right now, as we're recording, is Sovereign Grand Lodge sessions in the beautiful city of Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, and what we decided to do, instead of asking us what the heck Sovereign Grand Lodge sessions is all about, we went to our man, Toby Hansen, of <laughs> uh, past Grand Master of Washington, past Grand Patriarch, and current sovereign grand musician who is in Cincinnati held up in a, uh, I don't know, town of like a Motel 6 or something kind of by the, uh, down by the river. But no, it was a nice, <laughs> sounded like it was a nice hotel. Anyways, we're going to patch uh, Toby in right now with a quick interview we did uh, where he talks about sovereign grand. Enjoy. Uh, so uh, we don't see you, you don't see me. Uh, I'm just on my own because Tara is running a little bit late, but uh, she will sneak in um, and just uh, sit right down. But we won't we won't kill any more of your time. Um, We'll just why don't we just kind of go into 
um, like kind of the man on the street, what, what you're doing there. Um, what I'd really like to know is what's, what is Sovereign Grand Lodge? Why is it important to a lodge in, you know, a little lodge in a little town? Um, why, uh, how do you get there? Like how, mm -hmm. who, who gets to go and, and that sort of stuff. And then maybe a little bit about kind of the feel for it. The Well, Sovereign Grand Lodge is the governing body for all of Odd Fellowship for the Independent Order. So what happens here is every decision that is made that affects the way Odd Fellowship functions happens at Sovereign Grand Lodge. Uh, the basic idea of it is uh, once Thomas Wildey founded the first lodge in Baltimore, um, they were kind of affiliated with the Manchester Unity in England, but uh, eventually they said, well, we need to be able to customize the way that we do things. And so they started the Grand Lodge of the United States, which eventually grew and encompassed a Canadian Odd Fellowship as well. So we have the Sovereign Grand Lodge now. And what happens here is any decision that involves anything having to do with anything. There's a committee for patriarchal degrees. There's a committee for Rebecca matters. There is a committee for ritualistic work. Any changes that happen in the ritual, any changes that happen anywhere in the code, they all happen uh, here at Sovereign Grand Lodge. This is the place where all of those decisions are made. The way it generally works is uh, each jurisdiction's units, uh, meaning the Grand Lodge and Grand Encampment for jurisdictions that still have a Grand Encampment, they send representatives to the Sovereign Grand Lodge. Those representatives meet, and then uh, from amongst those representatives, committees are formed just like at Grand Lodge, and the committees will review legislation and resolutions that are submitted to them. And then uh, the committee will make a, res a recommendation based on their review to the Sovereign Grand Lodge as a whole. And the Sovereign Grand Lodge will either vote to accept the committee recommendations uh, and then enact whatever it is the committee has recommended or they will vote to reject the committee recommendations. So that's kind of the, the basic overview of it. Um, it's the final ultimate decision-making body for all of Odd Fellowship. This, if you're in the IOOF, this is where all the decisions are made. Uh, one of the contentious issues uh, that's being reviewed by committees this week here in Cincinnati is a recommendation that came up a few years ago that all odd fellow degrees, all encampment degrees be eliminated and there be just one degree of odd fellowship where you would join and then you would get basically a kind of a condensed version of all the odd fellow and encampment degrees all at once. And then you're an odd fellow, uh, kind of a parallel structure to the Rebecca's where you just join and there's just one Rebecca degree. There isn't a degree of Ruth and a degree of Esther and a degree of Miriam or anything like that. You just join and you're Rebecca and that's it. Uh, so that's probably the biggest and most contentious thing that's going before one of the committees this week. Okay, so when you say contentious, does that mean that there's 
still more committee work to be done? Or does that mean that it is going to hit the floor and then the debate and the discussion? Or like, how does, how does it dynamically play out when you, when you say it's going to be contentious? It's contentious because there are a lot of disagreements within the, the representatives who are meeting here. Some of them think it's an important thing to do that we position Odd Fellowship to be a streamlined, accessible organization where it's easy for a new person to come in and get all of the information that Odd Fellowship teaches all at once. Others disagree with that and they say, no, it's more important that we have a graduated system so that members can move up and continue to learn over the course of time. Now, the place where that debate happens is in the committee meetings. By the time it comes to the floor of the Sovereign Grand Lodge for vote, it is a very quick either up or down vote. The committee gives its report to the Sovereign Grand Lodge. They'll say, Sovereign Grand Master, I, your chair of the Committee on Legislation or um, Ritualistic Works, um, present the following report. We have reviewed bill number such and such. Um, the committee has reviewed it and we recommend its adoption or we recommend its rejection. Uh, and then the Sovereign Grand Lodge representatives vote on whether to accept that committee report. And if they do accept the committee report, then they usually vote to take the action recommended by the committee. So the actual people getting mad at each other and not yelling, but having heated arguments, that happens in the committee meetings. Uh, generally, 9 a.m. to about 11.30 is the Sovereign Grand Lodge session itself. Um, everything is read and presented to all of the assembled members of the Sovereign Grand Lodge. Um, the information is disseminated, the packets are handed out to committees. Uh, there's a little bit of speech making. Uh, we sing a few songs, you know, we do opening and closing like you would do in Grand Lodge or in your own home lodge. And then the afternoons from noon until the evening banquet or installation or whatever is going on in the evening, the afternoon time is when the committees meet. And that's when the actual sausage is made. That's when the meat gets ground up and the spices are added. And that's when people go and talk to the committees. Um, this morning, I talked to a member of the encampment in Dallas, Texas. Uh, she was going to meet with the committee that is reviewing this legislation that would eliminate the encampments and collapse everything into one odd fellow's degree. And she wanted to address the committee and say, hey, we don't like this idea. Our encampment is active. We do a lot of things in our community. And our encampment in Dallas serves as a meeting place for all of the lodges around the Dallas-Fort Worth area to come together and coordinate things. So we find the encampment really useful and we don't want it eliminated. So Tara has arrived and she's uh, set herself down. Hi, Toby. Hi, Tara. Nice to hear your voice. Yes, nice to be here with you. Yeah. Um, so, so, so Toby was explaining a bit about how it all kind of works, and and it's a great analogy of the sauce making sausage. So, when you are at Sovereign, how do you um, go about your day? Are are you a committee member? 
I'm not a representative this year, so I'm not a committee member. Just like at Grand Lodge, you have to be an elected representative to be on a committee. I am an appointed officer of the Sovereign Grand Lodge. I'm Sovereign Grand Musician. So what I do is I show up at about 8.30 every morning. Uh, I get my collar, I sit down at the piano, and I prepare my music for the day. Um, each opening ceremony of the Sovereign Grand Lodge includes a devotional section where the Sovereign Grand Chaplain will deliver uh, a message of hope or faith or peace or something appropriate for the session. And then I play a musical selection that goes along with that. The Sovereign Grand Chaplain this year is a Canadian and because of the travel restrictions, he was unable to make it. And in fact, this year we have a unique situation. Only the delegation from Alberta was able to attend uh, because they all flew down and they took all of the necessary precautions of getting a COVID test three days before departure and they have to get another COVID test tomorrow so that they can fly home again and they have to test negative and then they can do their quarantine at home uh, once they get back into Canada. So only the Alberta delegation is here from Canada. Everybody else from Canada, all of the representatives and officers are participating on Zoom. So Steve Wilson, who is from Manitoba, I believe, uh, he is not here in person to deliver his messages. So they will play his video and then I will perform a song related to the message in the video. And then I play the opening ode uh, of one of the branches. Uh, since today was the first day of Sovereign Grand Lodge, we did the Oddfellows opening and closing ode. Once I have played my devotional piece and the opening ode, I sit there at the piano and I pay very close attention to all of the business that's transacted until it's time for me to play the closing ode again around 1130. And is, you brought up a couple of things. So it's really good that uh, Alberta showed up. So our sovereign grandmaster uh, from Alberta had made it. I saw a photo of him on Facebook. Yes. And so tell everybody who the sovereign grandmaster is. Uh, e. Wesley Nelson from Calgary. From Calgary. That's awesome. Yeah. So I, uh, just for all the modern goat rider listeners, I mistakenly at the Christmas break recording of Modern Goat Rider, I said that there hadn't been one. And meanwhile, there was an active Sovereign Grandmaster yes. from Canada while I was spewing such lie um, <laughs> to the open air, to the, uh, you know, the 64 people that downloaded that episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, let's imagine that uh, Sovereign Grand, uh, Sovereign, yeah, Sovereign Grand Lodge sessions are yes. in your hometown because yeah. you're hosting it and you are just you're just a you're just a schmo, odd fellow schmo you're a, yeah. a subordinate lodge type person can you go to a sovereign grand session assuming that you are a third degree member uh you can get a permission letter that allows you to come in and observe the sovereign grand lodge sessions so uh, the morning part from 9 a.m to about 11 30 uh, you can you can get a letter and you can come and do that. They control the credentials very tightly at the Sovereign Grand Lodge session, 
because they want to ensure that the only people who are actively participating in the session are the ones who are authorized. So the elected representatives of the Grand Lodges and Grand Encampments. Generally, uh, each Grand Lodge or Grand Encampment gets one representative just for existing. And then they get a second representative if they have more than 1,000 members. So for Washington, our Grand Lodge has two reps, our Grand Encampment has one rep. So we have three voting representatives here in our Grand, or in Sovereign Grand Lodge. Some of the larger districts, Pennsylvania, California, Ontario, uh, I believe they may have uh, four or five representatives, uh, but don't, you know, don't take that as gospel from me because uh, I have not seen their annual reports or counted how many uh, representatives they have. But it's roughly kind of a proportional representation. Um, it's not necessarily as proportional as say the way ridings are set up in Canada or maybe congressional districts in the US. Because um, you, when you give one representative just to a body for existing, uh, that means that the jurisdiction of Utah, which has about a hundred members total, has the same representation in Sovereign Grand Lodge as a larger jurisdiction with fewer than a thousand members. So you could have a jurisdiction with 980 members, they have the same vote as Utah does with 100 members. So um, it's not exactly proportional, but uh, it gives more or less equal weight to each of the grand jurisdictions. So I have a question. If you're not at the, the big meeting and you're a member at large from a different um, lodge, how do you find out about what's the best way to find out about the goings-ons of Sovereign Grand Lodge? How do you watch from the uh, from the benches, if you will? Well, uh, you can you can come observe the session as it goes on. Um, mostly, what happens in the session is approving committee reports. The best way to find out what happens from Sovereign Grand Lodge is to attend your local Grand Lodge or Grand Encampment session, because uh, every year in the Journal of Proceedings, the report from your Grand Representatives is supposed to be printed. So there in British Columbia, Becky should print up the report from your jurisdictional reps uh, so that you know what happened at Sovereign Grand Lodge. Anything that happens that significantly affects the function of lodges is immediately sent out to grand secretaries so they can send letters out to individual lodges. So for example, um, a few years ago when they changed control of the inner door from the vice grand back to the noble grand so that you give the sign to the noble grand if you enter late, um, that's a letter that would have been sent out by grand secretaries saying, Sovereign Grand Lodge changed the rule now, when you come in late, you address the noble grand instead of the vice grand. Um, so anything significant like that gets communicated directly. The rest of it gets sent in reports, which are put out in jurisdictional um, journals. And that's one of the important things about attending your grand lodge or grand encampment session, is that's the primary place where you learn about what has changed or happened at Sovereign Grand Lodge. 
is there a workshop or any kind of education component to it? Um, two sessions? There is. For representatives, um, you get a representative packet mailed to you in advance of the session. Usually comes about three or four weeks before the session. Um, that comes out. And as a representative, I served as a representative of my Grand Lodge in 2019 in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So I read everything. Um, I, I had a lot of reading to do. You know, you get uh, at least 50 pages of information that you have to read and be familiar with, um, and sometimes more. Uh, I read all of the stuff that was germane to my committee. I was on the Constitutions Committee and that's the committee that provides all the oversight for the grand bodies. So constitutions of grand bodies get reviewed on a regular rotating basis by the sovereign grand lodge, uh, just like grand lodges do with subordinate lodge constitutions. And so I got to comb through constitutions of grand lodges and grand encampments from across the US and Canada and write up my report and then hand it into my committee chair who compiled all of the reports from all the committee members and put that together in one report that was then delivered on the floor of the Sovereign Grand Lodge. They voted to approve our committee report. And basically that meant that all of those constitutions were approved. Um, when you show up at Sovereign Grand Lodge on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, there's an orientation session, which goes about two hours. Anyone who is new to Sovereign Grand Lodge gets to go in and you get the briefing on how everything works. They explain that all of the deliberative parts of uh, the legislative process happens in the committee meeting. So they tell you you're on a committee, you're going to go to your meeting, you're going to be there evaluating these people um, committees are free to take input from any members who are there who wish to speak on the issue. It's at the discretion of the committee how many people and how long they get to speak uh, and how much they can be involved in the process. Uh, and then in the orientation, they also teach you about how role is taken, what you're expected to do as a representative. Uh, they explain the process of how elections are held any of the candidates for office give their initial introductory speeches. Uh, and it's a very um, information dense two hours of work. It's basically the introduction to Sovereign Grand Lodge. What I was fortunate to have in 2019 is I attended in 2018 while I was Grand Master of Washington. So I, I got the opportunity to see how it worked first before I was a representative in 2019. That really helped out because there are a lot of details that don't necessarily uh, get communicated because so many attendees are multi-year attendees, they just know. Like what's the dress code for the opening? What's the dress code for the banquet? Uh, where are the committee meetings at? Um, every morning you get a typed journal of the previous day's proceedings. So committee reports that were presented, any actions that were taken by the Sovereign Grand Lodge, um, you get a, a big thick stack again at about 50 pages at seven o'clock each morning. As a representative, you've got to go over to the Sovereign Grand Secretary's office, 
pick up your packet and have it all read and be ready to act on anything that's in there by nine o'clock when the session starts. We know that this session started on Friday, correct? But not this exact, uh, like your kind of agenda. There was some activities starting on Friday, correct? Yeah, the weekend begins with International Youth Days, where um, members of United Youth Groups, State Road Clubs, Junior Lodges, and Cadet Corps from around the IOF come together and they do fun activities. Uh, my daughter, Madeline, is assistant advisor of her Theta Row Club in Tacoma. And she brought some of the girls from her Theta Row Club here to International Youth Days. They had a blast. They got to meet other youth members from around the US. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't have any visitors from Canada uh, because of the border situation but she got to meet other uh, American Theta Row girls and junior odd fellows. They do some membership and team building type stuff. Um, basically, it's a fun celebration of odd fellowship for the young youth branch members. Uh, and then on Sunday is when the Sovereign Grand Lodge work starts. They have Sovereign Grand Lodge orientation at 10. There's a memorial service at 2.30. And then at seven o'clock in the evening, they have uh, the formal opening of Sovereign Grand Lodge. All the unit heads come in, they're introduced. They have a beautiful procession of all of the national, state, and provincial flags that they bring in. So all of the flags of countries where we have the independent order are brought in, and then all the state and provincial flags where we have lodges after that are brought in. Uh, usually those are carried by the representatives of those jurisdictions. But for example, um, with most of the Canadian jurisdictions not able to attend, uh, we had some Americans jump in and carry the flags for you guys. Very cool. Thank you for doing that. Oh, you're welcome. Hey, Jeff. Hey, uh, Toby, thanks very much. Uh, we'll let you go and get some rest. It is uh, a bit of a time uh, swing for you and you've been busy traveling. Uh, we really appreciate all the information and uh we hope you have a great week and safe travels back well thank you so much brother and sister i'm always happy to help you guys out over there in goat land well you're always a uh a high level guest high level high quality high quality <laughs> oh thank you carry the whole thing it's great <laughs> so uh thanks to toby for that that was awesome uh, he taught me a lot. Hopefully you uh, uh, listeners learned a lot as well. Yeah, I did. Uh, Victoria was the last time, uh, sorry, uh, 2014 was the last time uh, Victoria and probably the first time they had Sovereign Grand. So whenever I ask people, they're like, yeah, I was, I went to 2014, but that was just because it was in the hall that we all go to every day, week, month, whatever. Okay, so the other uh, topic we want, we... Tara and I mm -hmm. want to discuss with you, listeners, uh, is what a successful lodge is. And for whatever reason, every time I ask people this on interviews, yep. I can't seem to say, what is a successful lodge? <laughs> <laughs> There's too many S's and C's. Mm. But I will, uh, I will give it a shot here. So, Tara. Yes, Billy. We received one beautifully written email that we will talk about shortly, but we'll uh, we'll go first. Sure. Before we leave it to our uh, contributor, Matthew, 
who we'll formally introduce in a moment. But yes. uh, so what is a successful lodge look like to you? Well, and it's interesting and I'll preface because I have looked at the answers from Matthew and I have to say his answers were lovely and well thought out and just reflected to me the sort of um, perhaps overly myopic thinking I have about a successful lodge because he named some other aspects which are of course absolutely crucial but my sort of my gut thing about successful lodges is is very people focused so it is um you know uh an environment of of positivity positivity and collaboration and continued engagement and a general enthusiasm for for moving stuff forward obviously every initiative won't be everyone's um prime passion but a successful lodge is where you have people showing up either you know or all of and some of physically emotionally spiritually that they want to proceed with whatever FLT um, initiative we have going on and and that's less tangible than maybe some of the functional and yet very necessary things that come up in um, the answer that was sent to us but I yeah I just think about that continuing um, spirit where if you've been around for the past two meetings or the past 20 meetings, or you haven't been able to come around at all, but when you are there that you still feel welcome and that, that, that vibe is still there. So to me, that's again, hard to measure, but that's um, a successful lodge is when you continue to have engagement from as many members as reasonably possible mm -hmm. to move you, whatever projects you have forward. Mm -hmm. But again, um, loosely defined. Right. How about you? Well, mine uh, tends to be kind of measurable, I guess, is the yep, way I would perfect. like to see it. So I was like, I think I had three points. And my first one was, you know, it's viable. The lodge is viable today and with a vision of long term. Right. And that's easy to measure. That's that's your bank accounts. That's your whatever you're doing with whatever money is coming in. Mm -hmm. Um are the bills paid? Is the, uh, you know, are, are there any risks of anything about your hall collapsing or deteriorating that cause a huge amount of expense? You know, mm -hmm. kind of being aware. So my first thing is the viability of the hall and the lodge first. Secondly, but not less important, is what you say about the participation and so forth. Mm -hmm. It is why people as members find it valuable. Right. They're coming out. They are buying tickets to events that they enjoy. It's meeting their missing thing in their life. And they're taking time away from oh, other yeah. things. Yeah. They could easily be watching Ozark <laughs> or something, right? Like yeah. they could be doing something else. But to have a compelling reason for a member and to show up and meet their friends either socially or contribute for the community mm -hmm. that's success right and i don't know what my third one is i've forgotten it already but anyways i think that was um the essence of it all one of the things that i found uh interesting is that there's a um there's a contribution to the order which mm -hmm. i don't think people the average member will pick up Right. Right. The, the contribution to either the history, because there's a closet full of old stuff, you know, to go in there and, and to make something out of that and maybe make 
a way that members, new members join mm-hmm. or some other new compelling thing. Um, but there's also, you know, the not only are the people going to events, but they're contributing to committees or their committee. They're finding something new for the community. That's what it was. It was that the community mm. knew who we were. Right. Yes, that's that's very true. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the the idea that you can grow a lodge just out of a, a, a small group that you already are part of, right? So, like, say it's your it's part of a church group or it's another no, nonprofit or it's a small organization mm-hmm. that has what's probably a very homogeneous kind of membership. Mm-hmm. Um, that connection is great if all your members are going out and doing that. Mm-hmm. So they're building the lodge and um, yeah, you know, th- there could be a member that comes for, they put in three great years and they bring in four four members mm-hmm. and those from four members do their four or five great years right that's building the lodge it's not it's not bringing in every member as 20 year person mm-hmm. um my sponsor we were laughing once uh early on because we were talking about well what's it going to be like when we're all 80 mm-hmm. in the lodge and it was you know that's 30 years away we just assumed that we'd all be still doing this yeah. in 30 years. Which is glorious and sweet. Isn't that kind of weird? Yeah. yeah. I have to say, though, just um, before we jump on to the next one, your last point about does the community know who we are? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, you know, and I'm kind of one of them, like I don't mind helping and not getting credit per se, right? Like There's always this kind of people that just kind of want to help along and, and the satisfaction is knowing that it's been done and that's wonderful. But... Um, you know, with my communications hat on, like really if we're wanting to continue to be successful, if we're wanting to go in the community and, and leverage the connections we have to like with the disc golf tournaments, a great example is we've been blessed with very generous, you know, sponsors and donations from different businesses giving us stuff. So we can have this event so that we can raise a bunch of money for the, the crisis center. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. But if those potential donors, either the current ones or the future ones, don't know who we are and don't know what we do, then it's a lot harder to ask for money when we just have a letter with like a letterhead with three links on it and a couple eyes being like, no, no, we're legit. Please yeah. give us 150 beer so we can do this thing. Yeah. So I think, um, I mean, all three of your points were fantastic, but that last one kind of resonates with me in this conversation or, or whatever or thinking how I can maybe do better and, and we've done some neat stuff on the the Bastion Forest side um it's cool little cards that some of the members had printed up that when you're somewhere and you're supporting it you drop the card and and Billy's just showing one in front of me um that we're supporting you because you've helped us so giving that feedback to them and 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 that's a great example and there's probably other creative ways too through our something like Maybe we should start doing like this modern goat rider is sponsored by <laughs> these yeah. donors. But you know what I mean? Like, like we, we I will not what... work for the man. I know <laughs> <laughs> we can't do what we do without help from, from the water community and, and us just being, um, 
continuing to do the good job that we're doing and and my, my myself i will speak for myself being more mindful of like singing the praises of odd fellowship helps lay the groundwork for future um investment by these companies to allow us to leverage the the volunteerism that we have right. to do good work so all your points well taken that yeah. last one just sits with me and i think that and and it sponsorship donors new members um patrons for events that all it can't come from the same small no pile a pile of people or pile of businesses you right. have to get there everybody understands this in promotion right you you know you you go to the grocery store and there's five varieties of uh tide or speaking of procter and gamble today of tide that uh take up the shelf space well they know that some people don't want lemon scent and some people do and some people want fresh mm -hmm. and so they they know they need to expand mm -hmm. to get more people in and i think that you know in a weird way is kind of how odd fellows needs to work in the new way of not secret society themselves to death is going out and saying hey we are actually a really cool service group in this community right we do these things for our community but we also have this flt thing mm -hmm. that you don't get with rotary um it's it's different and if you dig this and you dig history um we got this room full of stuff that's 150 years old mm -hmm. do you want to see it and and i think that is something that the odd fellows should try to do in every community if they can get the men and men and women power out to say hey that funky old building that you thought was empty yeah um actually has a lot going on it yeah so i want to I, can I jump to the go? Please, please go. I wanted to mention the card that uh, Tara is talking about, and it's it comes with a sheet of paper that ex listed all the donors uh, and sponsors for the previous year, mm -hmm. and then it's a, a little black business card that has Odd Fellows on the front and each of the lodge names: Sebastian so Four, Columbia Two, and Victoria One. And on the back of the card, it just says, "This is a calling card to say a big thank you." For your recent support or donation to one of our fundraising events, Odd Fellows love to support local businesses who make it possible for us to give back to our community. Thanks in friendship, love, and truth. And so you just leave that at the front door because mm -hmm. the people at the front door may not know that we, they donated, or yeah. the boss or the ownership yeah. donated 150 beer or a spa day or whatever it was. Totally. And then... Um piece i'll add on that i just thought about now about knowing who the community kind of knowing who we are and what we're about is that one of my dear friends from high school lives um in alberta now in lethbridge and i sent you a note about this mm -hmm. um with her husband and their kids and they're both very busy and um i'll never hear this so Sorry, Jordan. But he doesn't have, like, due to some life circumstances, um, he doesn't have a lot of uh, male friends right now. And he's kind of looking for something to do. And it was really sweet because she reached out to me and she's like, hey, can you, I know you're part of this crazy odd fellows thing and you seem to really like it. What is that about? Because there's an odd fellows hall in Lethbridge. Mm. And I'm wondering what the deal is. And should I, like, sort of, 
voice my husband that way because he has a certain amount of time and energy and probably deal with, you know, um, resonate well with some like helpful, healthy bro time. Like right. what's it about? So it was neat. It kind of got me looking a little bit down the, the path of what the Lethbridge Hall is about. And it also just was kind of interesting to me because in terms of my my broader friend group, the ones in Victoria for sure know I'm part of Oddfellows, but maybe the some like again, the the friends who don't live here, I mention it, but it doesn't end up being a big topic of conversation necessarily because they're not available to come to an event or, you know, it's not as direct, it's a bit more more abstract. But, you know, whatever I've been saying has has sunk in with her that it's a neat thing and now she wants to, you know, potentially um and her husband they're interested in it so yeah. isn't that cool and um so you, so just, you Lethbridge, just never know yeah lethbridge just needs to put a sign on the building saying yes we're open for business <laughs> we're open for fellowship yeah yeah and and i guess for all of us who are currently members like you know we are our own brand ambassadors and you never know where it lands so it's it's just kind of neat being mindful of that in conversation that when we're talking to folks mm-hmm. it might not seem like they're listening but they are so when you're saying things, say good stuff. Say good stuff. Okay, so your turn. You're going to read uh, Matthew's, some of the favorites off of this. So Matthew is, we he did not tell us where where he's from. So with some uh, uh, Facebook sleuthing, yep. I have uh, determined that there are multiple Matthew uh, Garepe. Oh, yeah. There are multiple Matthew Garepes on uh, Facebook, but only one of them is a friend of Scott Aitchison. <laughs> ding! ding. ding. <laughs> uh, Toby Hansen oh, and uh, Michael Greensanger. Uh, so uh, he wrote us a beautiful long email, and um, what do you what do you pick out of it? He's got six bullet points. Well, not bullet points. Six points about what makes a successful lodge. Well, I'll read the the first one. One, because the length is not going to be onerous to listen to if I read all of it. And then two, it segues into sort of what I was um, just saying. So what it says is, every member is responsible for some aspect of managing or directing lodge activities. Everyone, even in the smallest way, takes on the role of being a leader in the lodge. Everyone supports the other member that has taken on the job of whatever event, project, committee, Party, committee, cause, I said committee twice, sorry, etc. Billy's going to edit that out. He probably won't. Um, <laughs> successful Lodge emphasizes quality leadership. So one, this relates to what we are just chatting about too. I was literally just listening to the Russ Campbell Leadership Podcast mm-hmm. earlier today to get myself in the mental zone for recording this uh, podcast as I do. And, and I would wholeheartedly agree that... Um, leadership isn't in title it's in um behavior so right that's a that one sat with me real nice cool um my next his next one number two was successful lodge manages its financial position uh and that it may look for three primary things sound reporting um there should be second there should be some sort of agreed upon metric for evaluating the financial health of a lodge i love this guy love this guy (laughs) Third, uh, the financials should be expressed to members in a holistic way, uh, a way that speaks to how things are done in the past, explaining how and why to members who are not familiar with the subject. And this is a good one. Uh, Reports from finance committees 
at each meeting that drag on for 20 minutes drives him <laughs> nuts. I have to agree Preach. as a member of the finance committee. Um, it is nice to just say, uh, we paid some bills. That's it. It's a great way to, to report uh, at your uh, meeting. So number three, here. Oh, here we go. Strategic budgeting. So again, I read this. It's intuitive when first posed the question, what makes a successful lodge? Like I was saying, I was thinking more of the um, esoteric emotional stuff. But of course, strategic budgeting is crucially important. Now, should something go sideways and you have to sell your hall and that's super sad, one might argue the lodge is where you are. However, yeah. it's better to keep a roof over your head if you can. That's true. <laughs> that's totally true. The, to know that you have money in the bank is different than knowing how your money where your money's going and understanding that. So if you have total trust in your finance committee and that they've set a budget for the year because they know there's 60 members, you know, mm -hmm. there's your operating budget. Start working with that, right? Right. Um, I think there's lodges that have money in the bank and they don't know. They just pay bills, cut well, checks. Totally. And, and, and how, like, you know, I, I work for government and there's, I think sometimes... It's easy to get into, this is what we've always done, so yeah. this is what we keep doing, and it's good to ch check that sometimes. Yeah. Is this the most efficient use of the funds that we have? Right. Right? Like, let's look at that. So, um, I'll just, you know, there's a number of good thoughts there, but the last sentence is, a good budget begins with including all active members in a discussion about where the priorities are and getting good information as to what the costs would be. So, and I think that's a nice engagement opportunity as well when you're talking about strategic budgeting. It's just touching base with with folks and um, Oddfellows don't the idea of going to a strategic planning event for Oddfellows I think is just like uh, no like, I think members would just be why why do I need to do this this isn't what's going on but it it can be really important for a, a lodge that's either struggling or a lodge that's you know trying to rebuild what are we doing like what are we doing here put the sticky note on the wall uh, you know, does whatever we're going to do get us new members if they're trying to grow, if they're trying to strategically grow and, and put that the pieces together? Because there's stuff that lodges have to do that has nothing to do with growth. True, I, I guess. Um, and But it's important. Yes. And then this isn't so much a counterpoint, but an asterisk is that I know for our lodge, for example, um, we have a visiting committee. And then rather than taking up meeting time, meeting like oh, I want $25 to buy so-and-so flowers or mm -hmm. whatever. There's, uh, we set, like, we, we vote on a budget for that committee and say, okay, committee, you have your $500 or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Do do what you decide. You don't need to get a vote every meeting and ask permission to right. spend $25 on flowers. So, uh, you know, is that strategic budgeting sort of? It allows you to plan for mm -hmm. what you have. And then it still, and then it empowers folks to do what they need to do within that committee. Okay, number four, uh, lodges have to build relationships with their communities. Boom, boom. We don't need to nailed it. Nailed it. Um, <laughs> I'll take number five as well because it's also very short. Uh, a successful lodge <laughs> understands, talks about, and acts on inequities and inclusion within the membership and its local community. Mm -hmm. That one I didn't see. Um, we we have well we have a we know we're a committee in our yeah. lodge that's looking at that. I know, but I wouldn't have put it as right, like a, a, a checkbox right. on my metric. But 
my company has the same metric for inclusion and and equities. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh yeah, I guess so. Well, and if we want to call back to our progressive, right, um, right, some of our earlier discussions not too too long ago about just evaluating who's there and why or why not. Yeah, and if they're not there, can we do something about it? Okay. Okay. Do you want to do number six? You go ahead. You have the paper in your hand. Number six, evaluate the impact of what the lodge has done. What works well, what does not, and what to do about it. Value of memberships can change, it can be improved, and it can better reflect its newer members. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. ROI, so, man. A That's successful <laughs> lodge designs that means and measures it work, its programs and listens to those who it serves. So tying in kind of the value proposition to the new members. Why are you coming out and not watching Ozark? <laughs> this podcast is not sponsored by Ozark. No, nothing to do with Netflix. <laughs> Netflix is evil. Ah. So, <laughs> so when you are doing the thing in your lodge that you think is the right thing to do, you right. built your strategic plan or you are building new members in and you have a culture that is maybe a little less interested in certain aspects mm-hmm. of the whole odd fellows package and i repeat i've done said this before odd fellows has so much to offer it not every person is going to be in love with everything that is odd fellows of course yeah so when a lodge is doing their thing their thing their columbia thing or their bastion mm-hmm. thing um, can a lodge be doing it wrong? Mm. And <laughs> I think wrong is very subjective, mm-hmm. obviously. And I think that um, the, the the FLT spirit is the sort of the, the paramount. If you want to talk about a talk about our bigger companies and all that, your vision and mission statement. Is are the actions that are being done keeping that mission and values intact? And if that's so, then right and wrong. It could be what's available to the membership at the time. But wrong could also be you're not strategic budgeting, you're not taking care of your your hall. So an easy wrong would be financial mismanagement, and now right. you, now you know whatever something's fallen into disrepair, and you're not taking care of this. Um, shared property and all that. Um, but I think right versus wrong, you know, reflecting again on some podcasts, um, some lodges that are dry lodges or some lodges that operate more like a social group. And there might be lodges that um, prioritize making a bunch of money and throwing big parties to which alcohol is a large component because it's a money generator one side or the other might think the other one's doing wrong because how they operate is are, are quite different. Mm-hmm. But um, again, I think as long as um, the end goal is mine and it's working for the community, then then there's a lot of gray area in between. Yeah. So the, the comparison of the dry lodge to the, right. the party lodge. So if we just use those two opposite ends of the spectrum and the... One says, well, you're not doing enough for the community because we've raised $10,000 tonight because we had this banger of a party. Um, and the other group saying, well, uh, you're not respecting certain things of the order that were very important in a traditional sense. Yeah. 
So they both might think the other is doing it wrong. And here's Billy, the strategic manager type person that says, well, if you're each aware of what the missions are and the principles mm -hmm. and in ways that you see fit, you're delivering, then I don't, I can't see you saying um, they do it differently. They don't do it wrong. Right. And so Victoria has, mm -hmm. Victoria, the city has three lodges all sharing the same building. So this might be the experience that someone has in a jurisdiction with lodges that are close by, mm -hmm. as opposed to kind of where we are, where it really is what's going on in the Jones's backyard. And um, so we'll have events that, uh, that are, you know, open to everybody. Mm -hmm. And we'll have a smattering of participation uh, from some of the lodges mm -hmm. um, and then other events will be like everybody's there you right. know, kind of thing yeah so I don't want to say that there's a, a a right and wrong in the city of Victoria there's just a different yeah and um, if you if somebody said to you okay now I'm gonna put you on the spot but if sure. somebody said Tara uh, your lodge doesn't respect ritual Mm -hmm. pick ritual yeah mm -hmm. it's kind of it's a contentious one but let's right. say you don't respect ritual um and uh and you think your lodge does mm -hmm. so how would you how would you respond uh about somebody just making an accusation when you think you do it totally fine your lodge you think your lodge does it totally fine I give them a big hug. No. Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think... The... <laughs> you need this shot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think... Okay, so... In some ways, the beauty of Oddfellows is that there are definitely the people who plan on being there until 80, but there's ideally new people coming in all the time. And within that um, foundation and the transition of new people coming in is hopefully there's a continual evolution of ideas and priorities. And it's, you know, there's the class of X, Y, Z. And again, um, maybe just thinking a little bit to the part of the conversation you guys had with Russ is that, you know, when um, a certain point in time, Columbia 2 was running a certain way. And then, a, you know, a group of initiates came in that were like, hey, we kind of wanted to take this tact. And then there was the energy and enthusiasm to take it in that direction. And that's where it went. So in response to like the ritual conversation, I, th I think that as long as hopefully the education piece, when people come in about the various components of odd fellowship is there. So they, so they're not um, in the dark about all that it could be. So if you're educated about this, like the sort of this, the menu of options, right? We could be super traditional. We could do this. We could do that. This is what's going on. And then you're choosing and then enough of you want to do that, then that's fine for your lodge. You mm -hmm. know, again, as long as that sort of mission values overall is, is being done, then I think that's great because maybe that's just the way it's going to be a few years because that's what this particular um, energetic active group is doing. You know, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable for some. I personally enjoy a bunch of the ritual. Yeah. Um, but, but again, like I might, you know, at the risk of whatever, I myself am not overly personally religious insofar that if Odd Fellowship was 
very much focused on one particular religion, I wouldn't have joined. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So so if I, if I joined and then it was everything was being foisted upon me of a certain faith, that was the only way, not my bag. But it wasn't. So then, like, I joined. And then it continues that way. And if the pendulum swung while I was in it a different way or seemed like it was going to, I might say, like, hey, I'm not cool with that. Let the chips fall as they may. Yeah. If that's where it wanted to go. That's, you know, that's where it's going because it, it is a community... And, and again, I respect the tradition foundation, but it needs to be able to evolve to a certain extent to the people that are there. Otherwise, it's a square peg round hole. Yep. And you, you say you respect it and you can turn the conversation really quickly in a, in a uh, let's not talk about us bad people. Right. You can just turn and as, as an odd fellow, we should be open-minded and we should Mm -hmm. be accepting right Mm -hmm. so you can turn that challenge to well i'd love to see how you guys do ritual totally how do you do it that's so different than us Mm -hmm. um and uh could i come to one of your um to one of your degree works or can i come and see a meeting and see and then have that um i think this was the bridge conversation that we heard in and in the episode we did with the folks from uh, Mountain View was mm-hmm. you 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 have this bah awful young person what are you doing um, and you can just bridge really quickly with oh well how do how do you guys do it right and 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 now you've you've turned the person from being all negative about them about you mm-hmm. to what's so great about them mm-hmm. and uh, and that really turns people quite quickly so. You can actually do Oddfellows differently. Yeah. Um, Oddfellowship differently. Um, and I'll segue into, uh, you know, kind of the running a lodge is hard work. And so mm-hmm. you can't, and I'm, and I'm repeating myself broken record here, you can't, you can't be everything to everybody. Right. So when you do see someone sort of scratching at history or whatever... Uh, you know, encourage them because maybe you haven't done history really well. Yeah. Encourage them, you know, post it on the Facebook page. Find out if somebody else wants to dig through dusty boxes with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and you know, do what I did, which was open up a closet and find out, oh, look at that. We have the Sovereign Grand Sessions books from 1865 to 1945 sitting in an apple box. Totally. In the bottom of a closet. Um, now am I going to read them all? No, but hey, time capsules. You might. Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. No, they're just going to talk about the number of times that they uh, <laughs> kick the people out who own bars. Uh, yeah. In, out, in, out. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. And it, it's almost like if you've gone traveling, I guess. It makes me think about that to a certain degree. Like uh, I grew up in Canada. I like things, you know, I, I, I'm used to things a certain way. But, like, I really like cooking food culture, right? Mm-hmm. I would say I like that. And then I go abroad, and, like, dang, this is really uncomfortable because it's different. But guess what? You and I, from these different countries, really like cooking food and culture. So now I'm going to be open to learning about that. And now I'm, you know, eating raw meat <laughs> that has a fancy name. <laughs> you know, steak, it, it wasn't horrors when I was in France. Steak tartare. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, with a raw egg on top. With yes. a raw egg on top. Yes, yes. 
you, you pass the test. But yeah, so I think sometimes it's horse. This is beef. But anyways, you know what I mean? And then, and then six months prior, I'd be like, heck no. But you're there. You're like, you know what? It's not the worst. And then yeah. you carry on with your life and you're that much richer for it. And and again, I think in, in terms of leadership, someone scratching at a thing, you might not have, just because you don't know the outcome and just because it's how things have been done doesn't mean it shouldn't happen. So I think being fluid and being open is also important, again, to as long as you're keeping that, not deviating, deviating too way, too far away from the foundation. I think that's that's great. Yeah. I mean, and we have we have these pillars that are easy to to, to kind of wrap yourself around mm-hmm. when, when you feel like you're you feel like you're being challenged for your non odd fellowship. Well, you just kind of look at what you're doing. And, and if you're aligned with a pillar, mm-hmm. then, hey, you're doing the right thing because yeah. that's what we do. But you can't, you know, not again, one event or one action doesn't cover every single pillar. So, you know, do one pillar well, do two, three pillars really well. Yeah. Well, and there will be some things that are concrete that, you know, become a yay or nay. And that, that came up earlier this year when like the warming center conversation, right? <laughs> and some lodges had the, um, perhaps the, the infrastructure and the interest to have, to, to make it happen in a, in a, in a functional way and realistic way, given the layout of the lodge and a bunch of other things. And some lodges didn't. Um, and that is, that's not an idea. That's a very yes or no. Like, are we opening, physically yeah. opening, you know, and then incurring like insurance and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. So sometimes, uh, you know, those conversations are going to be hard and not everyone's going to be happy. Right. And that, and there's no gray area. It's, it's happening or it's not. But if it is, or say it's not happening, can you provide a similar type of service or, you know, the spirit of that in a different way that still will make people feel like we're supporting that community or whatever, you know what I mean? Is there a compromise? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's a great example of where you might get challenged because one lodge just says, it's so easy, man. It's so easy. Allentown, Pennsylvania's lodge room is on the third floor. There's no elevator. Right. So they're having trouble getting their existing octogenarian members to yeah. lodge yeah. where it is. They're not going to be able to take in uh, a community that's on the street. So figure out a way how you can contribute if that's your passion, if you're trying to relieve the distress in this very niche area. Yes. <clears throat> uh, and you see the gap and your community needs this gap filled by you, odd fellows. Find it. Find a way to do it. Right. Find a way to do it. Right. Uh, and uh, and don't be a jerk. <laughs> Somehow I got this one. Yeah. <laughs> so I was trying to lead you to this, and you did it. I, I was trying to lead you to the uh, you know the the confrontation with yep, the yep. the uh, the dry lodge uh, drinking lodge. Oh. But um, so as odd fellows, we should be nice to each other, right? Yeah. We're all supposed to be. I didn't realize it was a confrontation, friends. but. No, wasn't. I wasn't. Think it was. Yeah. Come on. I'm not that confrontational. No. If I was six foot eight, maybe. <laughs> six nine. Six nine. <laughs> Your voice is clearly six nine. <laughs> okay. So uh, we, uh, I have a couple of things here about not being a jerk, and we have uh, different angles on all of this. Mm. But um, so when. Uh, 
when we are trying to pay respect for everything that ever uh, a fellow member has as an opinion right. or how they behave or their political <sighs> social decisions yeah. um how do we not be a jerk and keep our lodge successful because not being a jerk is really important to keeping your lodge successful did you notice that we never mentioned argument arguing in lodge as yeah. a successful criteria how to be successful i know well and that's and that i guess in some ways about being uh a family or a manufactured family manufactured family or a chosen family is that once once this sort of shiny veneer of newness like i'm an odd fellow and everything's sparkly and we raise money and flt all the time and you and you get to know people and time goes by invariably rubs happen right mm-hmm. And they could be a series of tiny rubs or whatever. And it's really hard as a practice, I would say, as a human to, in any relationship, coworkers, whatever, to um, avoid, oh, Billy always X or so-and-so always Ys. And just, um, I don't think I've talked about it. I can't remember on this before, but I read a really cool book a long time ago called The Art of, Poss- Art of Possibility. Hmm. And it's a really, it's a, yeah, it was a really cool book and it had a number of sections in it, but one of it was, um, giving people an A and, and it's something I try to carry forward through my relationships where like short of someone, if someone does something really, really awful, then fine. They can sit in that awful category in my mind, like clearly like, you know, like really awful. But if it is, um, an offhand slight if it's an uncomfortable conversation, if it's a disagreement, whatever. And I, I hope people give me that grace because I sometimes say offhanded things I think are hilarious <laughs> that may or may not land the way I want. But, um, you know, so I'm going to use it as an example because, you know, I love you and you're great. So this hasn't happened. But like, say you said something to me one day and I was like, man, that was a really jerky thing to say. I'm going to resist putting Billy's a jerk in a category in my mind hmm. and give you an A. You like you you have an A in my mind, like you get an A from the start and you can only work you can work your way down, but every time I'm you're back up for that interaction. You know, and it's and I and it's it's helped me in relationships to just keep again, not false positives, again, like I'm not naive, but like just um allows people space to, to be the best they can in my mind to not have a foregone conclusion that things are going to be difficult. And then as we proceed through opening the lodge and has, and as things maybe haven't gone the way everyone has wanted, or we've had snippets of interactions or it's zoom, like just encouraging people not to be like, Oh, so-and-so has been zoomed out quote unquote this whole time. They must be blah, blah, blah. Like just to like, I encourage it. Like everyone give each other an A for this whole time. Right. It's been weird. And then when we get back together to just be generous and to just really remember why we're all here and we're all, again, this hilarious assemblage of sisters and brothers. Yeah. And be generous. That That's my wavering. So you're saying, answer. I just want to clarify, you're saying A like a letter A? like Yeah. Sorry. A. Sorry. The, yes. The the person, uh, they were a teacher. And then, okay. and then his, oh, okay. he didn't experiment with the students where instead okay. of them working like to earn grades, it's like, no, no, you all start in A. And then you, if by you not completing tasks or trying your best, and it's very positive, then, okay. you, then you can downgrade from an A. But right now uh, you all have an A. So your it, job is to keep an A. And it's also not 
what have you done for me lately? No, 100%. No. It's what have you done uh, on a regular basis that is degrading you? Like if you if you're not like you, Billy, you always have an A with me, right? And then a couple days here and there, you might not be awesome. Then maybe you're at B. Yeah. The next time I see you, you're right back at an A. Uh, like I'm not, I'm not, okay. I'm not like you're not down two notches forever in my mind. I, you're always gonna. Say Are you on social media? No. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I am. But why uh, are you asking that? Because <laughs> it's an evil place. Oh yeah, no, I don't care. Oh, no. okay. Actually, oh, okay. So I, <laughs> my, my work account that I operate. So I sit behind, like I'm the whatever the wizard of oz behind the veil for my work account i got probably <laughs> the best one of the best compliments of my work life is that uh this reporter who i who doesn't know who i am as a human mm -hmm. who's only witnessed interacting with my account and said something the other day that xyz account because they, they were like they were complaining about twitter and like twitter is right. successful and always makes me feel bad and some other reporters like oh yeah i turn it on and i want to like go into the covers and die or whatever because it's so awful and then i put a really nice photo up from my working account saying like oh sending you chill vibes from this and that and then they're all like you guys and anyways they said like some really nice things to say about how this account always sends like the oh. most positive vibes and how they always like looking and how it makes it always makes them feel better and we're really thankful and i was like oh <laughs> yeah and that you know that's what i try to put forward <laughs> that's what lodges should put forward totally totally, totally. positive vibes because everything's not always awesome and it's not about glazing over but you know we're here what are you gonna do are you gonna sit and are, like you and i talked about before we did this are we gonna sit in a patio drink a beer and complain about things and never do anything or are we gonna show up yeah. so like show up <laughs> yeah and Even when, it sucks when i was talking about it i i i have been guilty of being a bit of the uh I call it the armchair noble grand, you know, this, the the person who just seems to know exactly how everything's supposed to be run. I've been guilty of that, and and by no right did I have mm. uh, the the time or the experience built in to do that. I just came in from the outside, and I was like, okay, I'm going to watch how you guys do this for a year, and then I'm just going to tell you how you should do it. Uh, and that's put me in the vice grand seat, but... Uh, <laughs> By the way, he's adjusting his collar sheepishly and uncomfortably right now. <laughs> but uh, but now that I'm vice grand, nobody like there's nobody does any bad <laughs> talking to me, so it's great. Uh, but what I wanted to say is that it is uh, there is so much going on in a lodge, and to be sitting there and complaining to be that member who's sitting on you know mm -hmm. at one in the morning, uh, talking to you still about whatever's going on at the the lodge mm -hmm. because again the manufactured family you know we 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 tend to converge on the the lodge life quite easily mm -hmm. and uh and to be that person and to have your eyes opened by going on a committee mm -hmm. or discovering how easy hard it is to get a volunteer pool together yeah for an event yeah um and uh and to to offer somebody well this is what you're going to do if you come out it's six hours in a tickets booth mm -hmm. uh where oh at a kids festival okay great you know it's not <laughs> you're not going to have a lineup of volunteers for that so mm -hmm. there's stuff that 
the armchair noble grands never really grasp because they haven't got in. And if they get in, yeah, they have a new, they have perspective. And also, every year is different. I think too. Mm-hmm. So, um, having helped an event before isn't always helping out at a different year. You know, so they're like you're right. Of course, if you haven't been in it at all, there, there's a lot. There's a different perspective, and even year over year, depending on what's going on around you, mm-hmm. that can also be quite different. So you might think like, oh, I volunteered X Y Z this year. Why is it so hard and not working out? It could depend on a bunch of things. Maybe you're not getting 150 cans of beer donated. Mm-hmm. Maybe the volunteer pool isn't as deep. Maybe there's insurance cost overruns. Whatever. So I think you know. And again, especially coming out of COVID, like, man, just like really be kind because guaranteed the people that are still organizing stuff and still showing up and have a smile on the face, there's probably a little part of them that's like crying inside. <laughs> that's oh, real hard. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> that's all. All right. Let's do Shout one. out Dave P. <laughs> Shout out Dave P. Can we do one more segue to something positive? Please. Okay. I so, would think that's so. Sorry, I don't, I don't think it's not positive though. I, I don't sound like I'm I'm like ragging on anybody. No, no, no. Because I put myself in that boat too. Like it's it's you know part of the exercise of being human. It's like okay, this is I I have my own stuff. You have your own stuff, and I have to allow you to have your stuff and not make it yeah. about me or whatever. Yeah, I, it is such an odd. I use the word odd, but it is such a weird dynamic. It is such a weird culture shift when you go to the lodge Mm -hmm. and you go to a lodge meeting and there's this intensely diverse group of people and it's great and it's fantastic and as i have said before without odd fellows i wouldn't have a friend like shad it would shad and i just wouldn't Mm. connect Mm -hmm. on a, a a basis and and because of that i feel much I feel better in my life because mm-hmm. I have I have this great guy who's in, you know, pick up the phone, go for a dog walk, pick up for the phone, go for a drink, um, cry on each other's shoulder and laugh, you yeah, know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but there's all the other stuff that comes with it, too, which mm-hmm. is you've you've talked about. There's going to be um, there's going to be rubs and there's going to be members that have rubs. And it's not that it's impossible. It's just. Don't be a jerk. Be patient. Mm-hmm. Be understanding. Um, the the choices that people have made, they're struggles. And y- they come to Lodge and they're, they're there for the Lodge experience. And so be part of that. Be positive. Yeah. Um, and, and make just the coming out to Lodge events or to a Lodge meeting. I'm such a big guy, a uh, person on going to meetings because I think... I think meetings are critical just for the social before and after. Totally. But also the, you know, you know what's going on when you when you go into the hall. And it's momentum too, because if people aren't at meetings, I think they're less likely to hear about stuff, and they're less likely there might be something they actually would be really keen on volunteering for, but they might not hear about it the same way because they're not at a meeting. Right. Right. So yeah, no, I'm. It's again, it's not always convenient, <laughs> but. It, <laughs> You know, I never regret going, so okay. that's good. Well, there's one thing that I did forget to mention during the uh, opening, the current events that we mm-hmm. bantered about. Mm-hmm. I got to Vancouver 90. I was in Vancouver two weeks ago. Yeah, oh. sometime. And so I, I went to see the 
they, Zero. I, I went to do, yeah, a home at home. So Soleil had come and visited us. Yes. And you did a tour with uh, her and her family in our smoking hot, no air conditioning on summer closed hall. We did a tour. I arranged you, Grant, you hosted that like a, I like a champion. historical junk just with for, for a while. Yeah. Honey, honey off the tongue. Just... <laughs> Amazing. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So I was challenging Walter Wells to do the same in Vancouver when I showed up on his doorstep and really appreciated his free parking on Granville Street. But uh, we, uh, he and I went in and uh, I got to see the new entry that Soleil and Annie told us about mm-hmm. with the pictures. It's fantastic. I took a shot of it and I posted it on the Facebook mm-hmm. page for Modern Goat Rider. And uh he gave us a tour, me, me a tour upstairs to their, um, I, I would call it their, their party room, their lounge. And, uh, and it's been renovated a couple of times and it's really cool. And he had this photo on the wall, uh, in one of the, um, uh, shadow boxes mm-hmm. and we were looking at it and he, he didn't know much about it. And we discovered that the photo was of Manchester Unity. Uh, odd fellows not independent order of odd fellows it was just this tiny little bit on the picture Mm -hmm. in whatever uh uh, was this banner or whatever the the members were all standing around we took a picture with our phone and expanded it out we're like oh look at that it's not even odd fellows so we had this great chat about history and stuff but then i went into the main hall and saw the artwork Mm -hmm. that soleil and annie did and and the photos are fantastic. They come very close to giving it justice, but they are enormous. They're absolutely enormous. And you go up to them and you're like, okay, that lily is the side of my head, size of my head. Like this is not just a little. The amount of work. Uh, still, yeah, it's it's impressive. It's so impressive. And so, um, yeah, Vancouver ninety uh, folks, uh, I I'm so you're so lucky to be looking at that. Um, you know, grow that lodge, that lodge and that, uh, that, those two lodges, Hemlock and Van 90, Hemlock 8, Van 90, you know, get members out, get mm-hmm. new people growing and, uh, doing your events and stuff. It's a beautiful building. It's a hundred years old next summer. Um, and, uh, and from the street, you just go, yeah, the Masons are building this, whatever, 20 story massive tower next to it with their hall in the back and everything. But what's inside that building is really wonderful, wonderful stuff. So uh, congratulations to that lucky lodge to be seeing that art. Um, That's it. Yeah. That's a show. I think we covered a couple things. Is that a show? And I think that's a solid show. And if you have uh, thoughts, feelings, reflections on what was said today. uh... Please send us hate mail. Yeah, yeah. And we'll send back loving, caring, respectful responses. Yeah, you all get an A. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, but it's, it, I think, you know, um, we covered some ideas, I think, that are relevant to every lodge. So yeah. so truly, like, if you have some thoughts, please, please send them in or post them on our Facebook page. It'd be neat seeing an ongoing discussion about some of this because, again, I think they're fairly um, universal Points. Yeah, everybody wants a successful lodge, I think. Yeah. Even the people who don't want anything to change. They believe success is no change. And then others are in the opposite frame of mind. Totally. Show them respect. Make a bridge. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, I guess the last thing is that there are some Oddfellows books that have come out this month as well. Uh, I purchased the um, Think Like an Oddfellow by Scott, uh, Brother Scott Moyne, uh, out of Arkansas, I believe. Sorry, Scott, if I got that wrong. Uh, I am halfway through the 42 essays, and I love this book. Um, it uh, makes me think about being an odd fellow every day, mm. and it's it's much more than trying to figure out uh, how to raise money for a community. It's about mm. you. The other book is uh, the book from Michael, a uh, friend of the show, uh, Michael Guy, uh, Greensegger and uh, Ainsley Heinlich in Illinois and Michael's in California, and it's The Oddfellows Primer, which has just been released, and it is uh, up for sale right now. Uh, go to the Facebook pages, look up oddfellowsprimer.org, I think is the website. And you can buy a, uh, a lovely copy of this uh, book, full of art. And uh, Victoria is getting a large order uh, directed through us. We're buying a bulk order for the lodges. Hmm. So hopefully in a couple of weeks, we all have uh, a new book in our hand. Glorious. It's a new age of odd fellowship. Love it. Well, that'll do it for us. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for listening. Send us your feedback, info at moderngoatrider.com. And uh, we'll be back again soon, right? I think so. Yeah, we'll keep doing uh, shows and making Oddfellow discoveries and seeing the Oddfellowship all around us. Cheers in FLT.